Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast. This is episode 29 of season one. I am Trisha Copeland. I'm an author and host of this show. Today, I have P.D. Oliva joining me. He writes thrillers, whether those thrillers are in sci-fi fantasy, about alien vampires attempting to subjugate the human race, or steeped in a haunting horror novel, or an urban fantasy with paranormal themes. PD always provides readers with a profound, entertaining, and satisfying reader experience. In a new genre, he is coined as alternative fiction. His novels blend mystery, conspiracy, psychology, and action with supernatural, horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Alternative fiction is PD's attempt at describing what readers uncover in one of his books, a new discovery towards mainstream storytelling. He's been writing since childhood, creating and developing stories with brash and impactful concepts. He describes our metaphors for the shifting energies that exist in the universe. Petey lives inside of his own universe, working diligently on the sci-fi fantasy series, The Rose, Volume 2, Urban Fantasy Novella Series, Girl on a Mission, and Jiggy Spot, and The Zero Intellect, Petey's upcoming horror thriller. Listen in as I talk to Petey about his book. Hi, Paul. Welcome to my podcast. Hello. How are you? Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So I'm with PD Oliva today, and he is going to talk about, well, all about his books and his writing. So why don't we jump in? Tell me what genres you write in. All right. So I write across a few different genres. Um, most, of, most of my books are thrillers, right? However, I do love my sci-fi and fantasy. So I have a series, a sci-fi fantasy series called The Rose, and that's about alien vampires attempting to subjugate the human population after World War III. It's a good fun one, gets my um, ancient aliens like itch satisfied. That's a definite fact. And then I have, I write horror novels. I have a new horror novel coming out on Tuesday, next Tuesday, October 5th, called Gollum. That's a kind of like classic Gothic horror. It takes place in the 1940s, early 1950s. And then I'm also writing an urban paranormal fantasy series called Girl on a Mission, which will come out in February. Very cool. So first off, vampires are my first love. So I'm going to ask you all about your sci-fi alien vampires. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Let's see. Um, Where did the idea come up with? It came, I watched a show a long time ago called Buck Rogers. And I was a little kid. And in one of these episodes, they had a space vampire. And this guy scared the hell out of me, stayed implanted in my brain for decades and decades. And then if you watch the show, there's nothing to be scared about when you actually see this space vampire. But he stayed in my mind. So I wanted to do something with that kind of um, that kind of character, an alien vampire. Kind of if vampires do exist, maybe they are aliens. You know, that was another thought I had in my head. So I figured let's go with it. And then when I was writing, sitting down to write the rose, I wanted to include them in there but also a little bit kind of add to the, the mystique and the lore of vampires as well. You know, so they've been here for, on this planet living in hollow earth for hundreds of years. Right. So the vampire stories from the old age is told in this story is like, that was them, you know, so they were real creatures. So the, the myths and the lore was actually accurate as well. So I kind of like, putting that into my novel. Right. And then the alien vampires just grew from there. They needed to be a whole species, 
right? Um, so they needed culture, they needed, a, you know, their society, how is their society set up? And I went a lot into that in the second book, which takes place, a big part of it takes place in Hollow Earth in what's called Drock City, which is completely made of silver. It's like this beautiful silver city with all these vampires hanging around. And they, um, they breed humans now, you know, in the, in the past they would hunt them down and kill them, but now they've become sophisticated. So they breed humans instead of um, hunting them down, which some like and some don't. So that's super cool. I'm a major vampire geek. Where is Hollow Earth in relation to our Earth? Is it? It's, yeah, it's like Middle Earth. Think, um, you know, think Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth. So Middle okay. Earth is Hollow Earth. And Hollow Earth is a, um, a theory, especially in ancient aliens, that the Earth is hollow down there. And there's all these caverns and there's these like hidden cities where, where aliens could possibly be living. Very cool. That's the same as my fairies have their Middle Earth in the Fey realm that is just below our upper earth realm. And they live between us and lower earth, protecting us from the evil spirits in lower earth or hell. So we still have, we have that in common, that, that yeah. realm just beneath our realm with hidden people or hidden creatures, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> otherworldly beings living here among us and maybe they were even here before us too you know and they don't like what we're doing to their planet very cool very yeah. cool so tell me about so that was the rose series correct yeah. correct correct and then you have Gollum, which is your horror is this graphic horror or is it just scary horror or what would you describe it as i'd say more psychological horror all right, now there is, I did put a graphic content warning on the book, right? So it's not in the book. Like if you're on the ebook, it says click here for graphic content warning. And in the print book, it says go to this website for graphic content. So there is graphic content in there, but it's not your, your slasher type of, you know, horror novel. It's very, very deep and very psychological. And we were talking a little bit before this, and you said you were a psychologist. So do you yes. bring that into your books as well? Yes, that I do always. It's I love to be in the heads of my characters and I, I want to know how they how they feel, what is their motivation, what's their intention, and also what's the backstory? How did they get there? You know, what built them up to this, this decision that they're making, these actions that they're doing present tense. So it definitely, it definitely helps. It's good to be a psychologist to put that in there. And I write in multiple points of view, right? So you'll get like with the Rose, you'll be in the heads of the alien vampire, the main vampire, Sanos. You know exactly what he's thinking pretty much from page like 30 at that point. I think that's when they show up in volume one. So you get into their heads, their heads, you're in the hero's head, you're in the little side character's heads. And I, I love knowing and getting into that multiple point of view. It allows me to like bond a little bit more with my characters. Very cool. So are the vampires the um, the bad guys or are the vampires not really bad guys? Uh, all right. So what kind of point of view? But they are definitely the bad guys in this. Okay. 
100%. They are definitely the bad guys. Of course, in their point of view, they're not the bad guys. But then like any species, right? So there's like internal combustion going on and conflict between the leaders and how they think that their species should be presented to the, according to them, the outside universe. <laughs> so how should we be presented? We should have everything. Whereas no, we should be, you know, moderate and have, you know, allow everybody and just be part of the cosmic realm that exists there. So you definitely get different points of view within that species as well. And what's funny is I haven't written too much on the human side. It's kind of kind of strange, right? It's mostly about your gray aliens, your alien vampires, and then this mysterious human rebellion. I do have some side characters, right? So, but they were soldiers in the war. So they come from that like um, pre-World War III world. But my characters, my heroes, they're underground themselves. They're mysterious. They've been beneath the shadows while everybody else is up here living. They've been fighting this, this secret war or this hidden war with the alien vampires. So was World War III fought against the alien vampires then? No. No, no it was just a human war. Or no? Yes, it was a human war. And it's... Um, I have plans, right? So the, with the Rose series, the Rose itself is gonna be um, a trilogy, right? And then from there, I have another series that's connected to that that takes place years later called the Indigo Trials. But I've already, there's one main character. He's the leader of the um, rebellion and his name is Robin Winter. And I had planned to write his novel way before I even came up with The Rose, which was more like uh, getting apocalyptic. You know, the end of the world is coming. Like he's that type of survivor for before even World War III happens. So I'm a little bit vague about what goes on in World War III in the Rose because I do plan on writing those novels that'll lead up throughout all of that up until World War III. Okay, so sort of like prequel series. Correct, correct. Very fun, I love that. Yeah, and it's a time travel novel as well. So I'm oh, wow. you have everything in there. <laughs> I know, I know, I got a lot of interest. It's like, put them all in there, don't limit yourself. <laughs> you got every trope just put them all in there that's right that's right fun so tell me how you started writing all right so I started writing when I was knee high to a grasshopper right I remember when I was in second grade I would write short stories and I would also write I did a lot of um I would go to a movie and I would come home and write it and there are two two movies I remember mostly was Rambo first blood part two right? And then Ghostbusters. And I love those movies. And I come home and I would like write it out just from memory as much as I possibly can. So I used to do a lot with that kind of like a fan fiction thing, although I was actually just writing the movie. So not fan fiction, you know? <laughs> and then short stories, poetry became my love when I was a teenager, you know? I was that moody teenager poet, you know, walking around with long hair, trying to do my thing. And then I probably went through a literary phase for a long period of time. I even wrote a nonfiction book, psych psychological uh, nonfiction book. And all of, I've written probably about six different horror books and sci-fi books in my life. But according to the tragedy of 2004, the great laptop tragedy, I lost all of those books. I know, gone, 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 gone. And they, I had to remember the old floppy disks right? So it was on a floppy disk. At the time I was a full-time student, I had to go to school in the computer lab, right? To use their computers and I needed a floppy disk. So I took off all my books, 
of a floppy disk because I was thinking if I leave it there, someone's going to have all my books, my babies. So <laughs> I took them all off, went to school, came back home, had the disk, was going to put them on. My daughter dropped the laptop, gone, wiped out. Yeah. And there was no geek squad back then. <laughs> so yeah. I could not get any of them back. It's horrible. But that is bad. I am so sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's all right, right? Live and learn and keep keep moving. Yeah, right? well, I'm glad you bounced back. And how many books do you have published now? All right, so seven books published right now, right? And I do plan on, I have plans for about 20 that are in my head now between The Rose, a few other horror books. I wrote another horror book called Jiggly Spot and the Zero Intellect. That comes out next year. I have at least another four that I'm going to be planning on writing with The Rose, three trilogy then another trilogy then probably another trilogy so and then girl on a mission is probably gonna be about six books but i also want to write um it's another novella series called the hypnotist which is funny because i'm a hypnotist right so that's the best to describe it it's kind of like a constantine type of type of novel type of series you know did you ever see constantine keanu reeves I don't think i did i don't know why i have watched a lot of his movies but not i haven't seen yeah. that one Definitely worth watching. You know what? It's perfect time to watch it because it's Halloween time. Right? I can't get too far into the spooky spooky because I get scared and have nightmares. So. Understood. Understood. Think of it like um, Constantine is this warrior. He had killed himself and he comes back. God gives him another chance to come back to life. But in order to do it, he has to chase down and fight um, like demons who are possessing other people. Right. So that's the that's the general gist of it. It's not per se scary, scary. You know, not to say that there's not scary stuff in there, but it's not that type of like slasher, scary type of movie. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, I will look that up. I'm always looking for something to watch on TV. Yeah. The next series that is going to be amazing. Yes, that it is. I can't wait for part four to come out. Anything with Keanu Reeves is definitely uh, definitely worth a watch, right? Worth a try. We'll say that. Definitely. I've even seen his, what are the movies where he like, his wife gets killed and... Ah, he, John Wick. John Wick. I've seen John all Wick. three of those. Even, Phenomenal. So. And part four is coming out soon too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. That, that, I remember when I watched the first one, I was just so surprised of how good that movie was. And then he just kicked it off. And so he's got part four for John Wick and then part four for The Matrix. Right, I was gonna say, that's coming out this month, right? That comes out um, December, actually. I think it's the, um, I think it's the 22nd. And it's gonna be on HBO. And the trailers looks phenomenal. I I love The Matrix, I love all those, so. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Definitely a fan. Try to convince my wife that I'm Neo, I'm the one, but she won't take it, right? <laughs> well, she married you, right? So okay, that's right. I'll use that next time. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean I'm not the one? You married me. <laughs> what other definition is there? Exactly. Agreed. 100 percent At least for a human. I don't know about a space alien vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Very cool. And I was reading through a little bit more about your books and I actually saw zombie in here too. So you have zombies in the mix as well. All right. So in the rose, what they're doing to the human population, how the alien, all right. So the aliens have conspired with gray aliens and human beings 
like the elite humans, those in control, to subjugate the human population for a very specific reason that I don't want to get into, right? A little spoiler, we'll keep that there. So what they're doing now that World War III is over, safety camps have become reprogramming camps. And what they're doing is they're giving everybody a pharmaceutical. And this pharmaceutical is specifically um, created to destroy gray matter in the brain. All right, when you destroy the gray matter, it destroys, it makes them into pretty much zombified human beings. It's not your walking dead zombies, but right, just human zombies. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the clones in Star Wars. Yes, there you go, there you go, right? Because they use the, um, the genetically modified to make them more um, capable of taking orders, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. That's, yeah. Right. that's right, that was a good Very one. Cool. Yes. And this, so also talk about, and you haven't, do you write all these books at one time or do you just write one at a time? All right. So I do write one at a time and I will take breaks. Usually I'm writing one and editing one. And it kind of depends, right? Sometimes I'll even put like girl on a mission. I kind of put on hold because I needed to do the final proofread for Gollum. And I only had a month to do that. So I kind of put her on hold for a little bit, but then I'll get back to her. You know, I know the exact part where she's at. And to me, it's like, it's about to start pumping and come out, right? So I'll get back to that. But then with volume two coming out, I'm going to have to write and do those edits for volume two as well, you know, to get that out. But it's like different hats, right? That's the way I see it. When I'm doing my creative itch and coming and just writing a novel, that's happening. I get up at 4 a.m. and that's when I do my writing, all right? So, but in the afternoon, that's when I'll do my editing. By that time, the, the creativity is, of course, it's always there, but I get that creativity out. And then when I'm editing, it's a different hat. You know, I got to take emotion completely out of it to make sure I'm getting those sentences down, down pat in the most accurate way for the reader. So it's kind of a different hat. So I could switch off like that without a problem. To me, it's kind of like I could watch Star Wars, right? And then right after that, I could watch Hellraiser. <laughs> right? Yeah, a lid there. that makes yeah. sense. And I'm impressed that you can be your own editor because I do not have those skills at all. So, uh, It's definitely hard, but I do use an editor. I use, oh, okay. use an editor for content edits, copy edits and stuff like that. And then final proofread, I kind of go through myself to give it the one touch. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's happening to me now because I'm reviewing the first edit from my editor for the second book in my Faith series. And But I already have ideas for the third book. And I'm like, okay, you, you just have to wait. You can't write that yet because you have to focus on finishing that's this. Right. And then after you finish the, And it's funny because I have the idea for the ending. And I'm like, well, you should just write it down before you forget it because it will be forgotten. But um, yeah. yeah that's right. I always keep myself um, a word doc with all, all those little um, tidbits. Hey, this is coming out in, in part three or this will be part seven. You know, But make sure you're getting those things right now. You're planning little Easter eggs of what's going to come out a little bit later. So do you have a writing degree or English degree? I do not. I do not. I did go to school for English literature for a period of time, but that was um, <laughs> just put it this way. I was a different person back then. Didn't do too well in college at that moment. And then I had my ex-wife got pregnant. I was 24 at the time. And I decided to go into psychology. Very cool. Well, that, um, yeah, I don't know which one makes more money, but <laughs> sometimes right. you have to do things like that. That's so right. I, 
Yeah, I wanted to be a teacher when I was young, and then I was like, huh, they don't make as much money as maybe uh, I think I would like, so I kind of gave that up, but yeah. Yes, that's right, that's right. Hey, listen, you can make money in anything, though. It's called further education, you know, and if, usually when you specialize, specialization usually makes money. Specializing, you could do private practice, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have had the patience to be a teacher, so it's probably <laughs> good that I didn't. <laughs> understood, understood. I don't, I had wanted to be a teacher when I was very young, um, probably in like high school. And yeah, I don't think I could have done it either. Definitely takes a special knack. Yeah, I don't even, I have a science background, so I don't even know how I got my creative brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Hey, listen, you're operating on both hemispheres. Put it that way, right? Maybe so. It was interesting what you said about the morning and the evening time, because I'm that way too. Like in the morning, I can crank out lots of written stuff. Then by the evening, I'm like, no, my brain is fried. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Agreed. That's why in the afternoon, you go hit the editing, you know? So, because it's a different, you're not... You're not exercising all that creative energy out of your brain, right? It's more it's, you're in a technical mode at that point. So it's a different it's a different energy, and it doesn't completely tap everything that's in there at that moment. This is one of my favorite questions to ask authors on my show. So I'm going to challenge you. What is the one thing you want your readers to take away from your books? Is there one overarching thing, or is it different for every series? All right, I definitely like the wow factor. You know, I love it as a reader myself. When I read that last chapter, that last sentence, and, and the book is closed, and it's like, ah, that was a very satisfying reader experience. I think that's the first and foremost thing that, that I want any person who reads my book to have, right? That feeling. And then it's, other than that, it's, I always say, literature is meant to entertain and enrich the soul right? Um, give like insight into the human condition. So if I get to transfer or portray that and the reader can understand it, I think that would be fantastic as well. Very cool. So speaking of ending books, do you end them on cliffhangers when you have a series? So the Rose volume one, the first one did end in a cliffhanger. It's more of a, um, a continuation, kind of like Lord of the Rings was, you know, it, each book where well, the first couple, they just end, right? But it's still, the, the story's still ongoing. You pick it up right after. So that's, that's pretty much what the rose is, right? So each one, even part two ends on in the same way. And it's just a continuation of pretty much like three days in the lives of all these characters. However, the indigo trials will not be like that. Uh, the way I have it planned, at least in my head right now, the way I see it is, First one, and then it'll be a couple of years after the second one for the second one, and then so on and so forth. So I don't and, see cliffhangers. Very cool. And how fast do you publish books? I normally I'm pretty slow, right? But since I have a few things coming out and things are just the wheels are turning, right? Things are turning. So what the way I see it, it's gonna be once every quarter. So like every three months, there'll be a new book, whether that's The Rose, Volume 1, Volume 3, Indigo Trials after that, or it's Girl on a Mission, you know, the, the first novella, second novella, and then my horror novels. So you'll pretty much get one to two urban paranormal fantasies a year and one to two or one to two The Rose type per year, and then usually one big horror novel. Right. So people don't have to wait too long. That's awesome. Fact, right? <laughs> yeah, keep everybody happy. That's great. 
Is there anything else you want us to know about yourself? Uh, or your book? What are your favorite characters? My favorite in my books or just mm -hmm. out there in general? No, my in your books. Book. I love villains, right? So I was the guy who used to root for Michael Myers as a teenager, right? <laughs> so I love my villains. So my favorite characters are, are my villains. Gollum, because he, he's just diabolical and cerebral and manipulative. And Sanos, because he, he's, he, he's anarchic and he just doesn't care. He's a badass vampire. That is a definite fact, you know? And he's ambitious and just wants to take over the entire universe. He doesn't stop at the world, he goes through the universe, right? And then probably one of my favorites, even maybe above them, is the guy I just wrote, Jiggly Spot. And Jiggly Spot in the Zero Intellect is a heart, but I, I call it a satirical, cosmic, grindhouse, horror, fantasy, right? That's the way to describe what Jiggly Spot is. And Jiggly Spot himself is a four foot nine, half human, half warlock, who is an orphan and was raised by a species of killer clowns from outer space, right? And so he moonlight, his job is he's a clown in a traveling, traveling carnival, all right? He's also a drug dealer and an alien pimp. And he's been charged something happens in 2019 and all his demonic army people that he knows or friends and acquaintances that he knows, they're about to have their summer solstice cannibal celebration. But because something happened to someone in their, in their group, I can't say who that is, that they're not going to have it. So everything's a little havoc. So he gets tasked with pulling this cannibal summer solstice celebration off, right? So it takes him from New York City or New York all the way to California. He's on this track. And then we have the big shebang with the cannibalistic celebration. But it's 150,000 words. He's a big boy, big boy. Wow. Yeah. That is a long book. Are you going to put it out there, the whole thing, 150,000 words? Yes, it has to be like there's um, there's so many moving parts in Jiggly Spy because it's it's his story. Yes, obviously, you know, but there's also probably like eight other characters, main characters and with the multiple points of view. And it's a thriller. They're all in there. So getting everybody's story completely told, it took that it took that amount of um, time. And it was originally just supposed to be a novella. Oh, wow. I'm <laughs> that is super cool. Well, and so it sounds like all are all your books written in third person or are they switched yeah. perspectives third person okay yeah we're third i'm um, third person i mean i haven't gone into the first person yet and i'll probably get there at some point with another book somehow some way maybe the hypnotist will be first person that actually sounds like a good idea interesting yeah i i write in first person and i tried one time to do in third person and i i don't know i just need to learn it or practice or something <laughs> so. hey, it's like everything else the more you do it the better it's going to come right right so you talked about being inspired by movies what authors inspire you what books do you like to read yourself all right so i'll read anything in any genre if somebody recommends it and says, this is a good book, but primarily, right? So let's see, Frankenstein is my favorite novel of all time, right? Still to this day, you know, I was 17, maybe 16, 17 when I first read it, fell in love at that point, at that moment, still my favorite novel, Edgar Allan Poe, right? So I grew up in um, Westchester County, New York. So Edgar Allan Poe was huge, you know, especially you get the vibe too, you know, going because you're living in New York. Legend of Sleepy Hollow, I think I've been to Washington Irving's house 
probably 20 times in my entire life, you know? I love that. I lived in Sleepy Hollow, right? So I, I enjoy that. That that creativity, like, gets in my skin. And then other, let's say, other authors, Ray Bradbury. Love Ray Bradbury. I remember Something Wicked This Way Comes is still one of my favorite novels as well. And I love the movie, which you can't find anywhere except for YouTube. And it's it's like a copy that just is horrible. I can't even show it to my kids yet, but I love that movie and I love the book. Ray Bradbury, keep going, right? Anne Rice, huge, huge influence, Anne Rice. Thomas Harris, The Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon, those types of books. And then today, obviously Stephen King, I'll throw the king in there, right? So let's go to today. Um, authors like Blake Crouch, right? I love Blake Crouch, science fiction. And they, uh, I definitely suggest everyone should read two books, Recursion and Dark Matter by him. J.D. Barker, who kind of had, had his roots in horror with a novel called Forsaken. And then he's more into like crime thrillers now, right? But his Four Monkey Killer series was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic, love the series. V.E. Schwab, right? So her um, her villain series, um, Vicious and Vengeful, fantastic. I can't wait for her book three to come out. And she also, I did read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, thought it was very good. I got a little bit caught up about, I'd say about 60% into it when she introduced the, the guy or whatever and kind of get into his backstory and care for it too much. But the rest of the novel definitely came together. V. Schwab has a great writing style. And then her Gathering of Shadows series is fantastic too. Hmm, let's see, let's see. Ah, we'll get into indie authors, right? So yeah. horror, right? Mike Salt. Mike Salt is a fantastic horror novelist. His, um, I got his book right here too, The House on Harlem. It's his new series, which was really, really damn good. And then The Valley was, was excellent as well. And it's weird because he kind of tied them a little bit in. And I definitely enjoy that too as an author. Kayla Krantz, all right? Kayla Krantz is a fantastic author, horror author as well. So there's some indies there too. Very fun. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and make a little list of all the ones I haven't read yet. Yeah, definitely. And you know, if you like horror or if anyone likes graphic horror, you have to read a book called um, The Black Farm. Absolutely phenomenal. That is the horror is your thing. You're going to love that book. I'm reading part two right now and it's not bad at all, but that first one was definitely an eye opener. It's a good book. Interesting. Very cool. Well, we've gotten such a great overview of your books and your writing and something, lots of books to put on our TBRs. And I so appreciate you being here and talking with us. Uh, no problem. Glad to, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, PD. See you Thank soon. You. Bye-bye. It was so much fun hearing all about P.D. Oliva's books. I hope that you will check him out with the description in the podcast and the links there. You can find all his books on Amazon and Goodreads. Until next time, keep finding the magic.